God with us. That's our theme for the next four Sundays, the coming. We're going to be thinking about the advent of God into the world. I don't know how many of you have ever done an advent, advent calendar or worked through the process of kind of thinking about and, and dwelling on the different aspects of what happened when God chose to become one of us and entered into the world, but it's become so commonplace for us, I think, that we don't even really recognize the magnitude of it. I think we, we uh, are so used to the Christmas season and all the things that are tied to it, and we're, we're so used to going through the motions of talking about God becoming man, but we really, I don't think, spend enough time most Christmases dealing with the thought of God, the God of the universe, the God who created us, the God who we turned our back on, the God who we uh, sinned against, the God who we tried to take his place and be the masters of our own life, that that God, regardless of all of that, made a way for us to have a relationship with him, and it's by becoming one of us, by coming into the world, choosing to become man. So we're going to break this, these next four Sundays apart and talk about the different aspects of of this the advent of Christ into the world. We're going to do it out of John chapter 1 mainly. That'll be our focal passage. So if you want to turn there, we'll read that passage and then we'll dive into uh, our text for today, just the first three verses of this passage. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came to witness, uh, as a witness, to testify concerning that light, so that through him, uh, all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Now, today we're going to take one small portion of this passage, the first three verses, and we're going to talk about Jesus as the word with God. Before Jesus ever came to the earth, he was with God, and some of us don't know some of the details about who Christ was and the fact that he was a part of all of what happened in the beginning. So we want to talk about that today. What was Jesus up to prior to the creation of the world as we know it? What was he doing? First of all, did you know that Jesus existed before the world was created? A lot of people don't know that. They think that Jesus was a man and that he wasn't a part of of life. He had no life prior to the birth in the manger, but he was. He is the preexistent word, according to the Scripture. Jesus had no beginning. He is part of the Trinity. In this passage, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was is very important. 
in the beginning of existence as we know it, the Word was already there. The Word was there with the Father. And Scripture makes that clear also by saying that He was with God. In the beginning, when the world, when the world was created, when the creation story that happens in Genesis happened, Jesus was already around. He had been around forever. It's something we can't comprehend. He's preexistent. But in John chapter 17, in his prayer to, to his father, prior to his resurrection, uh, Jesus prays this to the father prior to his crucifixion and resurrection. Verse 5, he says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you when? Before the world. Y'all, y'all all right? Everybody's good? When did it happen? Before the world, right? Before the world began. The, the, so he's, he is making reference to the glory that he had with the Father prior to coming to the earth, which was absolutely a greater glory than what he had when he was on the earth in the sense that he took on human flesh, took on the form of a servant, the Scripture says, that he didn't consider any more equality with God something to be grasped, but left that in order to come to earth. So when we see a, man, a baby uh, born in a manger, we don't see, uh, we don't see a, a man who never existed. We don't see a soul that never existed or a spirit that never existed. He was God. He also says in verse 24 in the same prayer, he says, Father, I want those that you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So before the creation of the world, Jesus existed. He is pre-existing. Uh, Jesus, the Son, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, were the three in one, the Trinity, were in existence and have been forever. Not a concept we can ever grasp, get our minds around because everything that we know has a beginning other than God. But it's important that we know that. That the God that's going to come into the world at Christmas time, the God that's going to come into the world in the Advent season is a God who's preexistent. Another thing is he's a preeminent word. Preeminent means to be superior above every other being, better in every way. The word was God. He's not like us in that sense. He was better than us in every way. He's better than the world that he created. How can you create something that's, that's more than you are? You know, he, had, he was more than everything. There was nothing in existence until God breathed it into existence, or the word, Jesus, breathed it into existence according to this passage. The Trinity existed long before us. And imagine this. I want to get, get a picture. And we, we talked about this one time during the series on, that we just ended last week series on Jesus and his character, who he is. And today we talked about, you know, praising the name of Jesus, the glory, uh, you know, seeing his glory. All of that is the same. His name is not just the J-E-S-U-S. His name is his character. It's who he is. And so it's important, again, that we understand who Jesus is. Jesus was coexisting with the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit living together in perfect harmony, other created beings were there, angels, angelic beings were there prior to the existence of the world, living in perfect harmony with one another. So what does that mean? Well, when we talked about this idea earlier, we talked about the fact that 
Jesus was living in perfect community. A community where their thoughts and discussions and their ideas were way higher than anything we could ever understand. Perfect community with the, the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit. There were no arguments. Wouldn't you like that after Thanksgiving? To know there's a possibility you can be in community with somebody and there'd be no arguments. There were no hurt feelings, no misunderstandings. Everybody knew exactly what the other one was thinking. There was no anger towards one another. No worries about uh, whether... They were loved by everyone. No fear of rejection by anybody in this community. No need to gain approval by anybody in the community. It was a perfect community surrounded by uh, an extended community of angelic beings that were worshiping them and adoring them all the time. That's what the pre-existent Jesus looked like. So imagine making a decision to walk out of that perfect community and walk into a community like ours, imperfect, hate, uh, you know, always worried about themselves, selfish, self-centered, self-righteous, never loving. And if we do love, we love for the wrong reasons. And so when God steps out of heaven, just understand that Jesus stepped out of a perfect community, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We'll talk in a minute about, or we'll speculate in a minute about why. So he was not only with the pre-existent word, he was also the preeminent word, creator of everything, and living in perfect community with the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit. But he's also the proactive word. In other words, he was acting ahead of time. What, when, when God, while the Godhead was enjoying this perfect community with one another, imagine this. They possessed this perfect community, living in, 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 uh, with no issues, walking through life together, being worshipped by angels. Why would God step out of heaven? Why would God choose to do this? Did he have a plan? Was this, did, did our sin catch him by surprise? In Ephesians chapter 1, the passage that we read today, not, not that passage, but that chapter, earlier verses in verses 4 through 6, Paul gives us a glimpse, and this is one of the only glimpses in the New Testament that we have of what God was doing, what his purpose for us was. If we could imagine them sitting in heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit sitting down and discussing what's coming. They, they understood what was coming. They were being proactive in everything that they did in creation. In other words, they, didn't, they weren't surprised by the fact that, that man sinned. They weren't surprised by the fact that Jesus would, make, would come to earth to become man in order to save us. None of that was re- reactionary. It was proactive. Look at what it says in verse 4 through 6 of uh, Ephesians 1. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. He chose us in him, in Christ, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as, the, as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So here's Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. Three of them living together in community. So picture this. Well, yeah. 
They're in perfect community. I'm fixing to break up that community. So picture this. Three. Father, Son, Holy Spirit living together. Sitting in a circle talking. Trying to decide. Or just talking about, you know, enjoying community with one another. And say, you know, this is good stuff. We have a perfect community here. We have all these angels worshiping us. You know, we, it, it's great. They, really, they recognize how beautiful we are, how, how wonderful we are. Not in a conceited way. They are wonderful and beautiful. It's not like us. When we say we're wonderful and beautiful, we're not. But God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, they all are. So they're sitting in community. And somewhere in the conversation, the idea comes up that we should invite other people to come and join us in the community. We should invite others to come and be a part of this community, be a part of a perfect community where there, there is um, no issues like, you know, and, and people can come and enjoy this and be in fellowship with us and know us personally, be intimate with us. And so that's what they did before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1 says, before the creation of the world, God had a plan. It was predestined. It was a plan that was, was already, it was, it was, they were being proactive. There's a plan out there, and that plan is going to be accomplished one day. And God, with his foreknowledge, omniscience, you know, know, know uh, he knows everything. He could see out in the future and knows exactly what's going to happen. Let's create man and invite him into this community. And so that's what God did. But we need to understand that that wasn't something that uh, caught God by surprise. He was being proactive. It's not something that, oh, no, Adam and Eve, we created them perfect, put them in the garden. We're in fellowship, perfect fellowship with them, enjoying that fellowship in the cool of every day. And then all of a sudden they sin. Now what are we going to do? Let's call a meeting. Does everybody understand the difference? This was God's plan from the beginning. God never expected that we would not sin. He knew that we would sin. He is all-knowing. And so God, in the middle of that, decided that history would unfold in such a way that he would invite us to be a part of that community. So why would God create mankind if he knew that we were going to sin? We sang about it today. To reveal to us the depths of of his love for us, the depths of his, of his uh, character, the beauty of who he is. And some of us still don't know that other than we know the words that describe who he is. But one of the goals that we have at the gathering place is to try to encounter God in our daily lives through obedience in such a way that we discover the reality of walking and living in community with God. It's a reality whenever I'm, in, I'm struggling financially and And God, instead of bringing more money into my house, challenges me to give some money away, for instance. And I obey what he says, and then I understand that he's my provider, and I never go without. He's always taking care of me, always providing for me. I learned that about God. When I obey him and take risks, uh, which is called faith, I'm, I'm putting my faith in God to do things. It's the same thing when I'm in a relationship with somebody, and and, and that relationship is torn, and God tells me to give instead of take. It doesn't seem right. Recently, I had a challenge by the Lord. haven't done it yet. 
because uh, I can't get the people to call me back, but I, I'm buying a, a new motor, motorcycle, and I, I bought a warranty on my motorcycle, and I'm asked, I'm on, I get a refund on the warranty. It hadn't even, you know, I've only used one out of five years. And so I'm calling to try and get them to answer me back. Well, I found out from a friend of mine who works at, at a motorcycle shop that the reason they're not calling me back is because they have to give money back. They, they make money every time they sell a warranty, and now they have to give it back. Well, it got me angry, and immediately I wanted to call up and say, well, you know, you guys better call me up, or I'll call the Better Business Bureau. So I'm not saying I won't do that at some point. But instead, God gave me another idea, and I know this came from God because this doesn't come from me. He said, why don't you give them cash off of, what, off of this check that you get for your refund? And don't tell them about it. Just surprise them. I thought, you know, that's a clever idea. But it takes faith, doesn't it? It takes faith for me to not take that money back and instead of taking it all back and using it all and being angry at the people that were mistreating me. When God tells me to treat them with love when they've treated me poorly, it doesn't make sense. But that's what it's like to live in community with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we're living in community with them, we get to see the beauty of who God is. Now I can't wait to do this because I want to see what God's going to do in the middle of it. And he does this kind of stuff all the time in our lives. That's, that's living in community with a trinity. And that's why God did what he did. That's why God didn't stay in heaven. He was being proactive and coming into the world and giving us an opportunity to have a relationship with him. So even though he knew that we would sin, God wanted us to be able to encounter him and experience him. Ultimately, according to this verse, again, this passage in Ephesians, to the praise of his glorious grace, to recognize who he is and to freely, from our hearts, praise him because he's been good to us. So not only is he a proactive word, he's also a productive word. Isn't it nice the way all my words start with P today? For those of you that aren't normally with us, which is quite a few of you today, uh, that never happens. It just happens. He's pro- it's a productive word. In John chapter 1, okay, verses 1 through 3, ultimately it says that uh, he was with God in the beginning, verse 2, and through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Ultimately, there was, a, there was production that happened through the Word. Jesus produced the Word, when we talk about Jesus as the Word in this passage, it's the only time that, it's, that this description is used for Jesus. And I, I did some reading about what that word meant. Of course, I know what word means. You know, I mean, it's things that come out of our mouth, good or bad, that ultimately communicate, you know, who we are. Well, that's basically what this word means in the New Testament. He who is to God, Jesus is, this word is, he who is to God what man's word is to himself. It's the manifestation and the expression of himself to those outside of him. So the word is the manifestation or expression of God to those outside of God. So Jesus' job in the Trinity as the word is to communicate the person of God to the outside world. That's his job. And so we see him doing that. The the first description that's given in this passage is that nothing was, is that uh, 
Through him all things were made, and nothing was made that had been made. He was with God in the beginning, creating the world. So the first way that, that Jesus manifests or expressed who God was was in creation. The Word created the world as it's described in Genesis. God spoke it, and it was so. You go back and read how many times in the Genesis account in chapter 1 that the Scripture says, God said, and it was so. When God said, the Word is Jesus. So the Word was creating a perfect manifestation of God as God would speak. In Romans chapter 1, Look at, look at the way the Bible describes creation in verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, all right, his invisible qualities, his character, his name, his person, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. So in this passage that we read today, our focal passage today, John is describing Jesus as the Word. And one of the ways that he describes Jesus as the Word is that he created the world. And through that creation, it takes every excuse away from man. Because Jesus is perfectly doing through creation what he's designed to do as a part of the Trinity. And that's to come into the world uh, and, and as the Creator to be the word, putting worlds together, putting galaxies together, creating plants and animals and ultimately creating man and woman in their own image. So Jesus is the manifestation or the expression of God, and he does it through creation. Now, we're going to spend some time in that passage in, in Genesis next week. Because there's another, another creature that's also on the earth, and we need to know where he comes from and what he's doing. But for today, it's just it's significant to me that we understand that Jesus is not, did not just come on the scene in Christmas, at Christmas time in that little stable in Bethlehem. He is the preexistent word. He's been there since the beginning. Uh, he, he has always been in existence. We can't understand it, but it's true. The Bible describes him as that. He is preeminent in the sense that he's better, stronger, more powerful than, than anything ever created. It would make sense that the creator would be stronger than the, crea- than the created things. It's also that he is uh, proactive, that all of God's plan was, was, was put in place by God from beginning to end. Nothing, no surprises um, no reactions. He was proactive. And then ultimately that he was productive, that he accomplished the purpose for which uh, the Trinity designed him to, uh, I didn't say that right. I started to say for which he was created, but he wasn't created. So he accomplished a plan that God, that the Trinity had for him. And his plan was to come into the world and present us with who God was. So the stage is set in this passage. The stage is set for us to encounter God. The stage is set for the work work of God to move forward. And and the world is created. And now what happens in the world is that that God has not quit manifesting himself to us. Ultimately, there's 
We have the, the creation around us to tell us who God is, the power of who Jesus is, the manifestation of who he is, but we don't get it. The truth is that there are people that sit in nature every day, and maybe some of you are them, sit in nature every day, look around, see the beauty of what God creates in the world, and we still have not responded to him as the, as the preeminent God of the universe. We still have not received Christ as the preeminent God of the universe. Instead, we, we treat God like, it's, like he's a, uh, something to add on to our lives. We don't recognize what all God has done for us and who God is. We don't see it in the, in the creation around us. And there's so many people that, that really today, there's a lot of people that spend all of their time in nature and don't acknowledge God at all. And so we need to recognize who God is, that as we look around us, let's see the power of God because we're without excuse when we look around and realize that we can't do that that it was done by someone greater than us, and according to Scripture, it was Jesus. Jesus is the one that created the world. But ultimately, we need to look around us and see that even that is not enough for most of the people in the world. But God didn't give up on us. He didn't just leave us with creation. Instead, God is going to show us in the next couple of weeks that he manifests himself by coming into the world. He came to show us who he was in person. And we're going to see the, the power of that as we walk through these next three Sundays together, seeing how, what, God, what it means when we see God for who he is, when we see God in the face of Jesus, in the life of Jesus. And we spent all of this year up to, up to last Sunday looking at the characteristics of Christ as he encountered people in the scriptures, in the gospels. And we've learned a lot academically about God. But ultimately the question comes down to has the finished work of Christ been completed in your life? Have you come to the place of recognizing that, that God wants to have a relationship with you? Have you come to the place of recognizing that Jesus was God, is God, and that he came to earth so that you could have a relationship with him to show you who the Father is? Unfortunately, a lot of us are still living in bondage to religion. We we think that God is one thing, and in reality, he is something completely different. Many of us think that God is like what the Pharisees thought he was, that Jesus is what the Pharisees thought he was, and they crucified him. And we, we, are, we are doing a lot of religious things, but we're still separated from God. We need to respond to the manifestation of God in the universe, Jesus, who came to show us the love of God, the character of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God who despised those religious leaders who were bound by religion and trying to bind others to meaningless lists of rules and regulations, things to do and to not do, rather than finding their hope and their purpose in life in who God is. So today we're going to close here. And we're going to move on. We're going to pick up here next week with this passage. Let me ask you a question today. Based on what we've read today, just on this passage today, have you really come to the place in your life where you've recognized the bigness of God? Have you come to the place where you've recognized that He loves you, that what He did for you on the cross 
was a predetermined plan, that that was decided before the beginning of the world, that God loves you enough that he decided that he would create you even though he knew that you would sin against him, even though he knew that you would reject him and choose to be the master of your own life. It become the realization that that God that died for you on the cross was the same God that created you and realize the depths of that love. I mean, it's one thing to be caught by surprise and be a martyr, but it's another thing to be the creator of the world and to choose to create man knowing that he would crucify you so that he could know you. Now, that's a whole different picture. If you hadn't seen Christ in that in that light, I hope today that you will. And I hope that you'll respond to him this morning as we continue to worship here in just a minute. But let's bow for prayer this morning as we close. And just think about what the Lord said to you today. Would you just confess to God today if you haven't done this in your life? Just confess to him who he is. That you know that he is God of the universe. That you recognize that he is the creator of the world. That he's bigger, better, stronger, more powerful, obviously, than everything else. Since he is the creator. Would you take just a minute to, to thank him for being willing to reach out to us, to not leave us in our sin, but to do what was necessary so that we could understand who he was by sending the word into the world, a perfect picture of who God is. If you've been wondering who God is, you're confused because you've heard a lot of things about God that you don't like and you haven't heard the truth. There's nothing about God that's not beautiful, doesn't draw us in. The same God of the Old Testament is the same heart of that God and character of that God is displayed in the person of Christ. We'll get to take a close look at him in the next few weeks, but would you commit today to his plan for your life. Realizing that this plan began, began before the creation of the world. The plan that was there for you and you, you have the opportunity to step into it. If you'd like to today, just pray a prayer from where you are to respond to God of the universe who offers eternal life to you. I encourage you to do that as we worship this morning. Father, thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for coming into our world. Thank you for, for choosing to put aside your godliness, all the rights that you had as God, living in heaven in perfect community, surrounded by a host of angels, angelic beings, being worshipped, that you chose to walk into our world because you knew it was the only way that we would be able to truly see who you are. And Father, if we've been blinded in any way by 
the, the religion of this world, I pray that you would take the blinders off today. Show us the truth of who you are in this series. And this Christmas, help us to, re- to respond to you as the God of the universe coming to us, offering us eternal life. Pray in Jesus' name.